Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Life Changes. What a beautiful church. Oh, we had such fun this morning. Church was epic. People said, oh, you must be exhausted. And I tell you, I just can't get enough of church. I... I can't get enough, you know, we were having family reunion, and my son, Lawrence, who a bunch of you met, he played drums, yeah, for a few weeks, uh, asked for his 21st birthday to have a ticket to South Africa and do seven weeks in a rental car across the land, and you were, you were in there, and you were such a blessing and a gift to him, and uh, yeah, I just want to honor you, this beautiful church, and you know, it would be amiss for me not to, I'm going to start weeping, you know, just honor my little brother. Isn't he incredible? Hey, isn't he incredible? Hey? And his beautiful candy, so brave and so incredible and carving such beautiful paths for the wake of women behind you and alongside you, beauty so proud of you, and they're just such an inspiration to me. And um, one thing that Mark has really challenged me on recently is uh, God is fun. And he always uses this word with me, and he will not know how it impacts me every time he says it. He says, come and play. Come and play. And that is my new uh, mission, is I am going to be a child of God, playing in the sandpit or on the beach or going down the slide or on the swing, and he's going to delight in me because I'm just being his child and I am I'm accepting his advances. I'm running to him with my pain. I'm running to him with my grazed knees, and I'm just going to play. That is my new hashtag, play, people, okay? So... Tyler has done incredible things. Where are you, Tyler, there? Thank you for sorting out my slides and things because that is not the uh, strongest of my gifts. It's the weakest of my gifts, but thank you, Jesus. We have some slides. I'm going to introduce you to my little clan quickly. There they are. Oh, so bottom right-hand corner, Lawrence, the Loza. Yeah, came and played drums with you for a few weeks and loved this beautiful house, and you loved well on him. He, Lawrence is 21. Uh, left corner, David is 13, and you say, how, how, how did you plan that? Well, obviously, you know the answer. Um, <laughs> beautiful boy. We call him our sunshine child, has just brought sunshine into our lives. He's Nicknamed the desert runner because he can run in the harshest of places and climates and not be thirsty. And what a gift. What a gift to watch your children's tent pegs be stretched out, to be brave and cut them loose. And God is faithful, faithful. And um, sweet Emma in the top right corner with her dad. Emma Louise is older than Lawrence but almost a foot shorter she is 22, and she leads our children's ministry in America, and um, what she didn't want to do, and she's at college, and has, God has just helped someone who didn't think she could grow something to grow to 120 leaders, 
and, and do all the scheduling and the care and the shepherding. And he is so faithful, so faithful. So even when God says, there's a gap, please take it. And you say, I can't do it. He is faithful. I'm going to, yeah. And up there, my darling, my love, look at him. He's a bit of a hottie. Mark, he does cause Mark to stumble a little because they are. Hey, it's true. Hey, they want to cuddle a lot. Um, brotherly, brotherly love. Good brotherly love. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. What's the time? I have to watch that. Hey, 7.10. Okay, beautiful. So I'm an artist, and I, have told, I keep telling the Lord, I'm an artist, um, you know, I paint. And we, I was born in Durban, KwaZulu-Natal, and was always going to live there. And I had um, planned to work in the villages with the babies, and I was going to do incredible work in Durban. And the Lord had other plans. And I got married at 18, who does that? to the most beautiful man, and, um, and the Lord started the journey of stretching me. Nine, mu- nine years in Johannesburg, I thought I was going to die. I thought, I'll never forget that first drive uh, up from Durban to Johannesburg from a family who are so close and love so fiercely, and I th- I, we had to stop every 40 minutes because I, I couldn't breathe. I was crying so much. And, um, and the air con was burning my eyes and drying them out. You know the feeling, Maria? Girl, been there, done that. And uh, from Johannesburg after nine years to London, and I had said to the Lord, but I had said never London and absolutely never America. Well, he has plans and he, he is sovereign and he does his thing. And he is so faithful. And so London it was for 10 years. And we were, um, I uh, was an executive coach and an artist and very involved in our local church. We love church so much. My husband is in corporate finance and, you know, was in his very sensible corner office in London in the finance district. And then God called us to America to uh, do finance in a church there. Who does that, you know? Uh, But God knew what he was doing. And eight years later, we're still there, and he is weaving the most beautiful story. He has, yeah, I remember saying to the Lord, (laughs) I used to fight with him in England because I used to say, sorry, Maria, I used to say, I just miss the big Guy that drips out of the heavens like molasses, and it burns you. You can feel the heat, and it's so passionate. And, and I used to say to the Lord, please, these pastel hills and the pastel skies of England, it's like, please commit. But, um, <laughs> but you know, be an extreme. But... And I'm going on the train into London one day to a conference to Heidi Baker. And I actually love London dearly. It's the most beautiful, beautiful city. God has big plans. And, um, and I'm saying, Lord, I should be in Africa. I should be in Africa, Lord. And, you know, planted, planted and present, but Lord, I should be in Africa. And uh, I get to this conference and Heidi Baker gets up and she says, 
she was saying to the Lord I should be in Africa on her plane as she flew across to England. And if you don't know Heidi, do you know Heidi Baker? Is she known here? Okay, so I don't need to explain. And she stands up and she says, the Lord arrested her heart because she had said to him, I should be where there are no roads uh, for cars to travel, and where there are no rivers for a boat, and where there is no landing strip for a plane. That's where I should be, there in Africa, taking translated Bibles. And the Spirit of God said to her, Heidi, you in the spirit realm have gone where there are no roads and there is no landing strip, and there is no river. So don't question where I send you in England. So if I can encourage you, don't put any absolutes on God. He is so faithful. Energy drink. I might need a water. Okay. So, Mark's been calling me a preacher all day, which is, has, uh, which is fantastic. Um, <laughs> it's fantastic. I'm inherently an artist. And uh, so I thought I'd show you one or two of my paintings so that when you see some later, I don't look depressed because I'm going to show you some darker ones later. But I just want you to look and, you know, there she's not on the edge. <laughs> like... This, this, is, this is obviously an African sky, people. African sky. And that one was so fun to paint because I painted it live with a band outside on the stage. And it started to pour with rain. And it's really big like this. It's a huge painting. And it started to pour. And the rain came through the canopy above me. And it's dripping down the painting. And if you look, you can see there's drips in the painting. And I'm going, oh, I've got to fix it. Everybody's watching. And the Spirit of God just said to me, no, leave it, leave it, leave it, don't fix it. And uh, that has become a little motto in my life, leave it, don't fix it, because sometimes it's in the redirecting, it's in the mistakes, the things you think are mistakes, that he weaves and paints beautiful things. Yeah, so next one, thank you. Oh, and the one on the left is called In the Garden, I did these slides, so unfortunately they're not very good quality, but it gives you an idea. Um, yeah, in the garden, beautiful fun doing that, and this little one, I call it the baptism, or you will be bathed. <laughs> yeah, you have no choice. Okay, there we go. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I am not telling you the title of my preach tonight because I have about 10 of those. And I might take you back to them at the end when we've closed a little loop on this journey. Okay. So, I'm going to share three of my favorite scripture portions with you tonight. Three that have really been, uh, I call them the three, making it up, the three power punch I like to call it maybe the hammer of three scriptures. But um, thanks, girls. <laughs> and um, I love the Word of God. And when Mark was preaching this morning about it's so easy to become familiar and lose the wonder, um, I know that God has really challenged me this year about 
taking his words seriously and not losing the wonder there. And um, I, find it, I find it amazing how the Bible says in one sentence what you can get an entire PhD on, full of lectures and discourse. And the Bible says it like it's just nothing. Like, I have given you all you need for life and godliness. All I need. Like, if I really take that seriously, if I believe he is the God who says, I am not a man that I can lie, my word never returns void without accomplishing that which I sent it to do. Wow. Every sentence becomes a gold mine. And for someone who uh, is a storyteller and a painter and can be very dramatic, and he's taken me back to that place of his word and taking him on his word and standing on his word. Um, so let's start with Psalm 139, which I think is going to be on the screen in a big way. Yes. Is that the whole one up there? No. It will keep going? Yeah, it's great. Okay, let's, let's, let's read this. Let's read this because seeing it visually, speaking it, and let's do this together. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Next one. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there, and if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Amen. And I know that full well. Praise you, Jesus. My frame was not hidden from you. We've done that, hey? No. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. And we're going to stop there. Thank you. I discovered this scripture, and I've got a painting next, next to it. That painting is called Grace and Grief, because that was the first time in my life that I discovered our Heavenly Father is not afraid of our grief. That he is not afraid to go, go to the far side of the sea, or if I make my 
bed in the depths or if I'm on the mountaintop, he goes there with me. I can pull him in there with me. Hence the beautiful green organic pieces. And it, it actually looks a little bit uh, grief-stricken and violent. When people have looked at this painting, some have said, oh, are you depressed? I'm not depressed. Um, but beautiful thing I discovered on this journey, that it is not our place to stay there. It's not his will for us to stay there. I'm just throwing that out there for a second. Oh, we're in such a complicated age, such an interesting age of enlightenment um, and lack of legalism. We as Christians uh, have discovered a father who's intimate. We've discovered a father who wants to know us personally, who wants to be involved in our lives. And I'm going to read, so don't go off track. Um, We are bombarded with incredible knowledge and info on shame and pain. Social scientists are encouraging us that our anxieties and our rejection passed down, even genetically or physiologically, is nothing to be ashamed of, and we're not alone in it, which is right. That we can talk about it, and we now have incredible tools like social media to find everybody else who feels the same way we feel. Um, We have things that doctors actually use to diagnose patients with now called ACEs, Adverse Childhood uh, Experience Syndrome. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of that before, which is actually on the CDC website in America that they now actually ask a set of questions and talk about people's lives to diagnose sickness because of adverse experiences and how these things become protein strands in people's lives form patterns and are passed on physiologically under the skin from generation to generation. And there is a subtle negative to that. And the subtle negative is that you come away going, God wants to come into my pain. He wants to be in my pain with me, and it's all right. And humanity and the world is telling me I don't need to be ashamed that the things that have been passed down generationally, I don't need to get rid of because that's me. And um, it's so interesting because you can be a fully committed daughter and son and be walking around with little trajectories of excuses that uh, little deceptions that are so small when it's here. But out there, over a long period of time, it becomes a big deal. When you say, oh, you know, anxiety was in my family. You know, it's just, it was bound to happen. Or I developed OCD when I had a bad birth experience, and, 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 and now, you know, it's just the way it is. And my mother's prone to that. Or... Um, Let me find some more here. You know, your health. Um, I'll often hear people say, and I know I I said I use little excuses for myself. It's the way we are. We we just, you know, my mom's not sporty. The family aren't sporty. Uh, We like our South African food. Actually, I come from an Afrikaans background, so we like a lot of malva, a lot of the butter and the syrup. And I know I'm talking... Things that sound so ridiculous. 
But we're in an age where we're not hearing the little whispers that go address your eating because that'll regulate your emotions. Uh, stop talking about that and saying you're just processing because you actually have an offense and unforgiveness and no wonder you feel isolated. Deal with it. Uh, actually, that pain in your body, you need to go see a doctor because heaven partners with physicians. And look after yourself. Uh, start carving a good cycle for your life. Go to bed at a good time. Uh, you know, your children, I look, somebody said to me, <laughs> yeah, is, it, is now the time to talk about it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, somebody just said to me, oh, Lawrence, what a beautiful boy, what a wonderful young man, and he is the most incredible young man. But let me tell you, God had to strip me of every ounce of control to allow this young man make all the mistakes he needed to make uh, to the point I thought his life was at risk at times uh, because he needed to do that in the safety of his home and he needed me not to be his savior. And he wrote a paper a couple of months ago that made me weep. He's obviously had the revelation too and he's, it's gone, he's gone public with it. And uh, he used the statement in this paper. He said... Um, he was treated badly by a teacher who was later fired uh, for throwing a chair at him because he was a little boy who couldn't sit still, still in very sensible England. And, uh, and, and so he became a bit of the class clown. Sorry, love England, Maria. Maria! Okay. Um, but, you know, here he was, this African boy longing for the hot sun, living through his mother, longing for the molasses sky, and this teacher was really brutal with him. And I remember I'd been going into the headmaster's office every day of that year saying, why is my child not sleeping? Why is my child having, wanting to throw up on the way to school? What is going on? I met with the teacher, met with the principal. And long story short, he finally gets to be in the school play. They let him sing. And he does so well, and he feels like an absolute hero. And it's a Friday night, and all the parents and siblings are there watching Oliver. And Lawrence was unbelievable. And he's this little eight-year-old boy. And he walks out, so puffed up his chest, into the field to go play with his friends and... Um, out come all the parents, and this teacher doesn't see the parents, doesn't see that we're behind him, and he lets off at Lawrence, he screams so hard at me, his veins are sticking out, and uh, he hadn't done anything, but he just screamed at him, um, which does sound like a mother in denial, I'm not in denial. Um, and at that point, I realized that this man has been doing this the whole year, and that's why my child is behaving and reacting the way he's reacting. And so I start to walk over to this principal who's now trying to overcompensate with all his justification, listing of all the bad things this child has done in front of all the school and these parents. So I walk, I'm going now, I'm going to take this man down. Yeah. God has redeemed me since then, praise Jesus. But walking over, and um, 
the headmaster came in between me and this teacher and said, Mrs. Rowlands, he's leaving the school in two weeks. You won't have to deal with him anymore. And I remember in that moment, I said to the high school, I said to the principal, you lied to me. I've been speaking to you about my son. You lied to me. You told me everything was all right. And it's interesting. Lawrence wrote a paper a few months ago, and the paper said, uh, actually not a few months ago, last year, and uh, it was before our January fast because God used this to really speak to me. And uh, he said, he looked up, and his mother was standing between him and the monster, a little eight-year-old boy speaking. And... The Spirit of God arrested me in January of this year um, that I had believed, and I needed to protect him when he was little. But when they get big, the Spirit of God has to guide us about when it's time to let go and where that time is. And I had to ask forgiveness for planting myself between him and the monster for the rest of his days because Jesus is the one between him and the monster and not my need for him to see me as his protector, not my need for him to need me. And so God is so faithful. You know, here I am, pastoring the most beautiful church, doing life so beautifully, and I go, as David went, okay, Father, show me, you know, search me, show me in my heart uh, what's in the way, and oh, wow, did he have things to show me because I asked? Was there unforgiveness and offense in my heart that I didn't realize I was there and I thought I was just justifying, talking logical plans as to why things had gone wrong? And he's going, you've picked up a fence. You now, carry, you now have a stronghold. You've got a pattern of self-defense. And when those people speak to you, your wall is so high. That's what a stronghold is. It's a strong city in the Bible. It's like keeps people out and you in. So, feeling isolated, feeling lonely, speak to Jesus about unforgiveness. What unforgiveness is there in my heart? Where am I carrying offense? Um, I am going a little offline here, Mark, but don't panic. Okay. So, um, just this question. Do you ever feel like you're locked up? Do you ever feel like there's a regulator on your life? Even as a good Christian doing all the right things, do you feel like there are things that you used to love that you don't love anymore that might have died with a little bit of people-pleasing? That uh, Are there some labels that have been stuck on you that you've allowed to stay? Because God says, He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. They don't get to stick to us, those things. Yeah, he removes even the sticky residue. There's nothing left. And what I'm attempting to say in this moment is we can feel victims to pain and we can have a posture of there's nothing I can do about it. Everyone else is living this beautiful life and there's a, there's a limit on me. Everyone else is, but what's going on with me? Why do I feel lonely? Why do I... Why uh, am I not full of joy? Why don't I sense the intimacy of God that everybody else? And um, we can do something about it. He says, I have given you all you need for life and godliness. We also know that he does not lie. He is not a man that can lie. 
apples will never fall upwards off a tree because he covenanted that. The stars are in the sky because he covenanted that. On to the next bit. I'm getting there. Yeah, if you ever asked yourself as well, and I was asking myself this, sure, why am I so tired? Why is everything so weary and heavy? I know, Father, you've called me to this beautiful thing. But why is it heavy? Why am I weary? And uh, there's a scripture that I have always loved reading. And I think it's the next one. The next slide. And the next one. Yes. Back to the red one. There. And... Uh, The scripture is, in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quiet and trust will be your strength. Oh, I used to quote that scripture all the time. In repentance and rest is your salvation, in quiet and trust will be your strength. I had never read the last little piece there that says, but you would have none of it. Oh, did anybody else know that was there? Hands up. Yeah, it's no joke. But you would have none of it. And you know what the context of that scripture is? It's the Israelites are camping uh, in the desert. You know, they've passed down through the generations stories of their freedom and deliverance from Egypt. And now they're having issues with the Syrian armies and the Assyrians. And uh, they're about to, they're having issues with Babylon and they're panicking. And you would think after all the stories they'd heard and all the times God had delivered them, I know, I I have no room to talk. Um, But what did they do? They rushed back to Egypt, their place of captivity, and rely on the horses and chariots of man. And and that the passage, and I won't read the whole passage to you because it's really long and we have to make up time. The passage talks about God says to them, and you go and you rely on the horses and chariots of man, these beasts uh, that have cost too much horses. Uh, It has has cost too much resource to go and get help from Egypt, your place of captivity, and it it will bear no fruit. It will bear no fruit. You will still end up not free. And God still has to deliver them uh, years later by an ungodly king, actually. Um, And there's a piece in here that says, although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity, 20, verse 20, and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Then you will desecrate your idols. And return to me. And I know that this was a part of my journey. Father, where I have built fortresses, or defense mechanisms, coping mechanisms that were not me going to you, but me returning to Egypt. Where, where I have relied on man over your wisdom. Forgive me. I repent of it. I return to you. And he is so faithful to do that, so faithful to do that. And this paint, this was a painting I painted to um, Lauren Daigle's song. She sings, um, My Kingdom's Fall. 
You know, yeah, girly, my kingdom's full. The kingdoms I've built, my fortresses, my mechanisms, my coping, my plans, may they be destroyed, Father. May your plans prevail. May I run to you first in everything. May I run to you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, um, yeah, I just already told you that story about Lawrence. Um, how many parents are there in the room? Yeah, parents, and, some, and you're all going to be parents one day. Um, and what I love about the scripture is that um, God gets Isaiah to go and warn these people of what's to come. They're not interested. In fact, they say, we do not want to hear what you have to say. They tell the prophets to be quiet. Um, And they go ahead and make their plans. And God goes, well, then I'm going to leave them. And I will rescue them later, but they will learn. They will get horses and chariots, and the enemy will chase after them faster with faster horses and chariots. And there will be no rest in that. And I thought, wow, how often, what a good father he is. What a good father he is not to rush in and rescue when he knows that his children need to grow in something. And if I can encourage you, sometimes when you're in a dark place and you're thinking, Lord, this is the dark night of my soul. Uh, yeah. He, he is so close. Ask him. Ask him. Ask him. Is this one of those moments? Is this one of those moments where there's something for me to learn? Um, he's so close in that. He's so tender. And I know that we as parents uh, had to let our children make some really stupid decisions. And we knew they were stupid decisions. But we knew they were still in our home and we could love them if it went wrong because it was going to go wrong. Um, but the, the learning in that is in so incredible. And so God is such a faithful father. Last scripture. Psalm 16. Have I got it there? I think it's the next one. No, but this is also divine. Just for free, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Three or two. <laughs> okay. And then the last picture I'm going to show you, Tohu Vabohu. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Haibo, that is, that is not a joke. They have fallen for me in pleasant places. Why is this not feeling so pleasant? Well, have you picked up your neighbor's boundary stone? Because I haven't given you grace for that. I have called you and given the grace for the gifts I put on your life. Be that. And he says in Romans 6, I am waiting for my inheritance on the design I made you for the edification of the body and beyond. So this last picture, tohu vabohu, is, who knows what that means? Hebrews. Come on, Gabe. Come on, Gabe. Um, Gabe's middle name. So this is a prayer that I have been praying over my life for the last Almost two years, year and a half, tohu vabohu means, it is the Hebrew word for the rushing spirit of God that hovers over the empty, dark, and formless void of Genesis. And then he speaks, and he calls day, day, 
and he calls night, night, and he pushes back the boundaries. He carves the furrows for the rivers. He covenants as that same spirit, as he has covenanted peace over my mind, as he has covenanted that my body function well if I treat it well, as he has covenanted that my hamstrings work if I work them out, uh, he does not lie. And so I want to encourage you. I'm closing, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> so he is free is free indeed. The whole point is, there, is a, there seems to be with this, new wave of understanding of shame and stuff and going to the dark places in our lives. Almost a permission to stay there and that be our identity. And that is not what Jesus Christ died for. He was enough. He was enough. And so I would encourage you to search me, God, and know my heart as David did. See if there's any offensive way in me. Invite the same spirit that hovered over Genesis and the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead over your day, every day. Three, repent and rest. In repentance and rest is our salvation and quiet and trust will be our strength. And be in community. (laughs) You all know this. Surround yourself with people who will hold you accountable. Surround yourself with people that will not enable and accommodate stuff in your life that do not look like freedom.